I think it is, I don't think that this is like this whole coronavirus thing is some grand conspiracy. I think that the, I think that it is real and we need to be mindful of it and we need to, we need to care. I'm not saying we need to just be ignorant and blind. I think that we do need to be careful and, and make the precautions that we feel necessary. Um, but at the same time, what really, really bothers me and has really gotten under my skin, and I couldn't quite figure out why until yesterday, and I was really thinking about it, why it bothered me so much, and it's, I think it is just genuinely the fear. I think that, and I don't say this lightly, I think the fear that's being driven um, into people through media, social media, is demonic. Uh, and I'm, I, like I said, I don't say that lightly, I don't just go throwing that around, but the reason I say that is because anything that separates you from the trust and love of God is demonic. Anything that's going to challenge life in Christ is demonic. And it, what it does, it does the same thing that lots of other things in the past have done, and there will be lots of things in the future that will do. It pokes at our fears. And when it pokes at your fears, it reveals what you are really dealing with inside. Now, we can use this as an opportunity to freak out and be scared, or we can use this as an opportunity to share the good news of the gospel, and I think we should do the latter. And here's why. It's not that, like I said in the beginning, that's why I gave a little prerequisite. I'm not saying we all need, just need to be ignorant and run around and lick people's faces. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do. I'm just saying you don't need to, we don't need to be dumb. We need to be wise with what we do. We need to care. And some of the things, some of the main things that it pokes, I think, fear in us is, one is death, obviously. We, we all, in some way, shape, or form, fear death, whether we admit it or not. Even though we know, even if we're secure, sometimes in the back of our heads, we'll have a little bit of a fear of dying. And that's understandable. The other thing is the fear of spreading it to hurting someone else, right? That even if you won't die, you could hurt someone else that's maybe older or has an underlying illness. And so it pokes at that fear as well. Now, that doesn't mean that, that we don't need to be mindful of these, these things we do, but you, we don't operate from fear. That's the key. You, you can see those things as, as legitimate reasons to take action in different ways that you may have taken action previously, but to operate from a fear of that is an unhealthy place and I believe is demonic. And I want to get into one of the main things that I think everyone across the board deals with and I think is addressed pretty clearly in Scripture. I feel like it's pretty short. I say that almost every Sunday, and I still pretty much go most of the time. So I, I, I plan on having kind of a short message so we can have plenty of time to hang out and eat pizza, and I'm glad everybody came out. You never know with this kind of stuff what's going to happen. I know a lot of churches closed um, and, and did live stream, which we live stream as well. Um, and so we told a few people that, that said they weren't going to make it that we were going to be live streaming, and they appreciated it, so that's good. Not you know, not mad at anybody or condemn anybody for doing that. We're doing both hand, so we're good. Um, but we're going to go through, and this is, we're going to go through John, and uh, for kind of time's sake and just keeping the big picture of everything, we're going to we're going to kind of bounce through it, and we're going to go through a few scriptures here, and we're going to start in John 14. Um, if you want to turn there, and this is a, a a pretty good example of Jesus interacting with people. Okay, Jesus' disciples were with him all the time. They spent a lot of time with him trying to understand what he was talking about with the kingdom, with the kingdom of heaven, with how his kingdom looked, with what was going to happen when he died and he was resurrected and, you know, ascended and sent the Holy Spirit. And so he's going through and telling them all this stuff, and they don't get it, right? They're kind of like us sometimes. We're like, I don't know what you're talking about, you know? I don't, we, we want to know what you mean, but some of the things you're saying sound foreign to us. Why did they sound foreign to them? Because they were ultimately, a, he was speaking from the Spirit. He was speaking from another kingdom. And what they recognized was the physical kingdom that they saw, especially from the Jewish culture coming up. They had anticipated and wanted this Jesus to come in on a white stallion with a sword and, and make them the geopolitical leader again and defeat Rome. And, and Jesus had other plans. Jesus had a bigger battle that he was going to fight. He was going to beat sin, death, and hell. He was going to do the, the, the greater battle that was in the spirit. Um, 
And so he, he came on a donkey and he served and he washed his disciples' feet and he demonstrated what his kingdom looked like before he ever taught about it. We talked about this last week. He went around healing people and loving people and then he taught them. And then he went around feeding people on the Sabbath at that. And we had a car show on the Sabbath. <laughs> this, is, this, is the, this is the difference between living a life with Christ every day and thinking that it's compartmentalized to just church on Sundays. Um, the disciples were with Jesus all the time, and the Pharisees criticized him for feeding them or for healing on the Sabbath. And he was trying to explain to them that this is bigger than that. It's not about the law. It's about the, the law of love that's in my heart. It's about caring for people. Um, and it's evident that he, he wanted the disciples to see it when he told them, look, go back and see what I meant about I desire mercy over sacrifice. And he wanted them to see, too, look, it's not about all the rituals and the things that you're doing, but it's about genuinely caring for the people that are around you. Um, in doing so, he gets into John 14 here, and his disciples are still questioning him a lot about a lot of different things. And what Jesus does multiple times, he demonstrates it, which we talk about all the time, but he's also going to teach it here. And uh, verse 1, it says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. What a, what a great verse for today. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Um, we talk about this all the time. Radical, radical statements talking to a, a, a mostly Jewish audience there. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. This is one of my favorite verses. You've heard me say it before. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answers, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he makes a big transition there. They're thinking very physical. We don't know the way you're going, so we don't know how to get there. And Jesus takes it over to the Spirit and says, no, you don't understand. I'm the way. I'm going to be the only way that this is going to work. It's not going to work through any of anything that you've learned up to this point as far as your religious duties on how you, how you serve and what you do and what you feel like you've built up uh, a reputation for doing, none of that's going to matter pretty soon. The old covenant's going to be gone and the new covenant's coming. And he's saying, there is going to be no other way except for the way that I'm about to implement. It says he didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to what? Fulfill. He fulfilled the law. The things that we couldn't do, that the Pharisees couldn't do, he even said to them, look, unless your, your righteousness is greater than the Pharisees, which they would have all gasped, you'll never make it. What he was saying is, none of you are ever going to make it without me. He was saying, I am the way, not there is a way, I am the way. But once again, very radical statement. He was saying, I am the son of God, essentially saying, I am God. Now, we have to, we have to see that to see that he is making a, a great transition over to trying to get them from seeing things just in the natural to seeing things in the spirit. So Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. <laughs> and we don't, we don't know the way. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will, really, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you know him and have seen him. And then Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And I imagine Jesus face-palming, like, oh, my gosh, did you not listen to what I just said? Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? So he's trying to get them to a place that, look, trust me. I am the Son of God. I am the way. You can trust that I am the way to, to have a relationship restored with God. I'm better than Adam. I'm coming to restore things. I'm going to change this thing, and it's going to be really good. It's going to be really good for you. 
but you have to trust me. I'm the only way. I'm the only one that can do this for you. So he's, he's trying to get, get them to understand that he is trustworthy and he is good and that he is the way to the Father, okay? Do we get that? So he, in, in the process, we're going to jump down to John 14, 26, but in the process, he's trying to prepare them for what's about to happen in real time, okay? He's about to prepare them for his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and sending the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a lot for them to take in, but he's trying to get them to a place that they're going to recognize it when they see it. Now, most of them didn't. Eventually, they will, but for a short amount of time, they don't get it. So this is him trying to prepare them. He says, uh, verse 26 says, The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will, will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, you know, the, one of the most common threads in Scripture is fear not and do not be afraid. Why do you think that is? Because he knew we were going to be afraid. He knew very well that they were afraid then, and we would be afraid today. And so he continually tells us, don't be afraid. Peace. My peace be with you. This is how we know when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. When we talk about it in youth, the youth have very legitimate questions. How do I know it's the Holy Spirit and not just me? Right? Those are good questions. Okay, well, think about it. Is it, is it selfish? You know, is it something that's going to benefit others? Does it give you peace? Not necessarily comfort all the time, although you should be pretty comfortable in the Holy Spirit, but does it give you peace? If it gives you peace, it's a pretty good indication it's the Holy Spirit, even if it's stepping out into something that is unnatural or that, that seems like you can't do. Is there peace there? And many of you have, wit have, have witnessed this and been a part of it. I have as well. When the Lord would lead me to do something, I'd think, I can't do that. And he would say, yeah, I know. <laughs> I can go, and I feel peace, and then I'll do it, and it, it was God leading me. It's how we recognize the Holy Spirit. Another way we recognize is seeing it through Scripture where he's trying to tell us this over and over and over again. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Peace. Have peace. He continually tells us this. He tells his disciples the same thing. Don't be afraid, okay? So somewhere between verse 26 and John 20, 19, we're going to skip down to John 20, 19, they, some of them kind of forgot. So this is John 20, 19. It says, on the evening of that first day, now, now Jesus has been crucified, and all they know is that their Savior is dead, right? Everything they thought was going to happen a certain way did not happen the way that they planned it. Um, I don't know about you, that happens to me all the time. I think things are going to go a certain way, and they go a different way. It doesn't mean they're bad, it's just not the way I already had it in my head. Most of the time, I say most of the time, all of the time, it's usually, usually, I can't even use a, a definitive term, every time, i got to think about it, every time that things have gone a different way than I thought in my head, it's been better for me. Because God has, God has done it. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't make good decisions. It just means that God knows better than I do. That's all that means. So in the same way, as in the evening, you know, their Christ is dead. They're freaking out. Um, they think that the hero is not, is not there anymore. So on the evening of the first day, and they're being persecuted, obviously, and, and death is very much on their doorstep. People are trying to kill them. This is not, they're not taking this lightly. And they're not saying, oh, we don't like you guys. They're saying, no, we're going we're to kill you. So on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked, why do we lock doors? We're afraid. The doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, now people say he walked through a wall. I don't know how he got in there. I don't care. He's Jesus. He can do what he wants. And Jesus shows up and basically tells them, don't be afraid. Peace be with you. And why? Because he just showed up in the middle of them, and they were probably kind of freaking out. Not only that, they were afraid of the Jewish leaders that were after them. Verse 20, after he said this, he showed, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. 
Man, that's a point I didn't even recognize when I was studying this. Look at the transition. Let's look at the transition of these guys that were locked in a room out of fear, and when they recognized that Jesus is with them, they were overjoyed. Man, this is what we need to be all the time. We need to recognize that God is with us all the time. We're a part of a covenant that kings and priests dreamed of for years and thousands and thousands of years. We get as a free gift. God, God gets to be with us all the time in the Holy Spirit. We should be overjoyed all the time, 24-7. I heard a comedian talk about flying one time, going back to flying again. And he said people complain about long flight times, wait times. And he said, man, everyone in every plane should be just screaming. You're in a chair in the sky. <laughs> like, this is amazing. Why are you complaining right now? This is the way I feel about Jesus. Like, how, how, can we be, how can we be so caught up in the little things in life when we've got one of the greatest gifts ever, and that's eternal life in Jesus? We get a restored relationship with God the Father, our creator, and we get to have a relationship with him again every day. And we, didn't, we not only could we not earn it, we didn't even have to earn it. He gave it to us for free as a free gift. We should be in here just with our hands in the air every Sunday just going, this is amazing. I mean, seriously, this is great. I mean, we're, and we're in a country where we can practice this freely. This is an amazing place that we're in, in a position where we can celebrate God anytime we want, and we can be with him, and he's with us always. You don't have to come. I love that you come to church. Come to church. I love it when you guys come here. But you don't have to come to church to experience him. He's with you all the time. You don't check him at the door. Like, all right, God, I'll be back next week. No, he's with you all the time. And it's more important that he's with you when you're not around all these other believers. I know, whoever's squeaking back there. Is that Bean? I don't know where he, okay. Anyway, I'm ADD kicking in, focus. Um, so doors are locked, they're, they're afraid. They're, the disciples realize it's Jesus and they're overjoyed. It also reminds me of Peter when he puts all his clothes on for some reason, jumps in the water and swims to Jesus. He was overjoyed. So overjoyed that he made himself swim worse. Anyway. Um, verse 21, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Wow. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Listen, what are people afraid of? What are, what are people really afraid of? What do you think people are afraid of? Where, where's the great fear that comes to people? Y'all can talk. This is open... Oh, we got a mic. Generally speaking, people are afraid of things they don't understand. Okay. And that is the, the, the thing that scared everybody on this virus thing is it's novel, i.e. we have never seen it before, therefore we don't know, therefore we must freak out and run around in circles and buy toilet paper. <laughs> don't get me started on toilet paper. Toilet paper math is hard. 12 equals 48. I don't know. Why do they have, why can't they just have normal? Anyway, we get auction toilet paper. I'm a good fundraiser for the, for, the, for the motion. Oh my gosh. Listen, God, this is, has nothing to do with the sermon, but I got to tell you, we just ran out of toilet paper at the worst possible time. We ran out. We did not rent toilet paper, David, because that's weird. And I'm afraid of that because I don't understand it. rented no Tracy called me and she was like we have a serious problem and I was like what what's going on she was like we're legitimately out of toilet paper I was like oh my God. we normally buy big Costco packs so I thought we had plenty but we didn't 
And so I went to, here's the thing, here's what, here's what's crazy. I went to Costco, I was like, it, people aren't going to freak out. No, I didn't know, this was early on, I know now. But in the beginning, I was like, it's fine, nobody's going to freak out. I went to Costco, people were, were, people freaking out so bad that there was no toilet, when I got back there, there was no toilet paper, there was only paper towels, and they were limiting people to two packs of, two big packs of paper towels per customer. And everybody that I saw coming from the back had paper towels that they were going to use as toilet paper now. They were coming out because they thought they're not going to be able to get any. I went literally three miles down the road to Dollar General, and they had tons of toilet paper. That's what fear does. They thought there's not going to be any, any, which eventually there probably wasn't. But I went there, and then I went later on to another, which Dollar General is everywhere, so I guess they got it down. Went to another one to get dog food. And they had, I just went by and looked. I was like, well, they still have plenty. I guess we're all right for now. But it's, but it's that it's the part of it is what we don't understand. Part of it is kind of perception of reality. We don't really know. So everybody thinks that, I don't know, for whatever reason, that it's just the, it's the end of the world as we know it. And for some reason, we need toilet paper. I still don't get that. It's not the rotavirus. It's, it's not the same thing. Anyway, so I'm getting off topic. What are we afraid of? So not having any toilet paper. <laughs> Apparently, that's what we're afraid of. And listen, let's, let's be real. Okay, let's break this down. I wasn't going to go here, but let's go here. Why not? Listen, the, if that's our greatest fear... I mean, and I, and I say this serious, let's, I'm trying to get serious here. I always felt like I grew up poor, and I've told stories to you guys about, you know, lights getting turned off, or we had a Riviera, and the windows wouldn't roll down, no air conditioning, we'd have to blow in ice, you know, like it was miserable. That was our air condition. I have memories of that still to this day. And then we go to Honduras, and we see the Bordeaux, and you see they never have power, and they're drinking water that's filthy, and so your level of poor is, there's all different levels, it just depends on your perception of it. In the same way, we think it's the end of the world, we don't have toilet paper, come on. I mean, yeah, I want to, I'm not saying, <laughs> but I'm just saying, let's be, let's be real here. Is, is this what we're afraid of? This is, we're, we're going to run it, we're, and we're so, as a, as a, I guess as a culture, we're so selfish that we think we need to hoard it. This is crazy, yeah. There's one other thing, uh, also a lack of control. Oh, yeah, for with, sure. With Todd, if you take him shopping, he is scared to death to go into the store unless he has a shopping cart he can hold on to. That gives him a sense of control. Right. And I'll tell you, and I'll tell you for me personally, one of, the, one of the last things I wanted to give up in my life when I got saved was control. It was the first thing God asked for. I'll never forget when I went up to the altar. I don't remember what they preached about. I don't remember anything. I just remember it was God's timing for me to go up there, and there was lots of tears and snot, and, and I, just, I, gave, I just I gave up. I had lived my life trying to, trying to make it on my own, and carrying that burden that I thought that no one was ever going to be there for me, no one was going to take care of me, and I had to do it on my own, and I, and I left that with him. And I, the, the thing that I always had was I thought that I had. Here's the key. You think you have is control. I never had control. I thought that I had control. Such a squeaky baby. Oh, that kid. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I always thought that I had control. I really never had control, but it was something that God needed me to realize so that I could, so that I could give it up in order to really gain some control of my life. Because I, all of it was false. But when I recognized that God really was ultimately in control and I gave that up, it radically changed my perception and perspective of life in general. And it freed me up from trying to do all these things on my own that I could never do anyway. That's what grace does. It's the beautiful thing about grace is it takes that out of the way so that you can have this great relationship with God and live an abundant life. Not just so you can go to heaven when you die one day, although that's a great benefit. So... We've got lots of reasons why we're afraid. Um, one of the ones I kind of want to tackle today 
Um, those are all good, and we can go down all of those roads, but the, one of the main ones I want to tackle is death. Um, we all, as I said, and that's something that we don't understand, and it's out of our control, because um, we say statistically one out of every one person in this room is going to die one day. It's not my fault. It's just statistics. Physically. True. That's happening. Wait. Oh, I was looking for Lonnie. <laughs> I was looking for Lonnie. Anyway, so different story. So here's the thing. The hope that we have in eternal life should take that fear away. Should take that fear away. The hope that we have that is not just bound up in this life should take the fear away of death. But does it always? Not necessarily. It doesn't always take fully take that fear away. Now, what we really fear is not death, especially Christians. What, and even people that, amen, people that, uh, people that aren't Christians, they fear, they think they fear, they think they fear death, but what they really fear is condemnation. Because ultimately, if you know that you're going to a better place, you really shouldn't fear it, right? If you, if you genuinely believe that heaven is better than this place is, which I do, I don't know if y'all do, but I do believe that heaven is a better place than this place, you shouldn't fear going there. It's like saying, hey, we're going to go on vacation to, you know, I don't like Disney World, but if you like Disney World, if you go to Disney World, that's a better place. You don't fear going to those places. In the same way, if we know that we're going somewhere better, we shouldn't fear that. What we fear, ultimately, what we need to admit is what we fear is condemnation, is not going to a better place. Going to a place that we're either unsure, we don't know about, we're not sure, um, or that we have no control, or that there is going to be some condemnation. The good news is Romans 8.1 tells us that there is now no condemnation for those that are found in Christ. That is the good news, that there is now no condemnation for those that are found in Christ. So you don't have to fear that. You don't, you don't have to fear a judge when you're innocent, right? You fear a judge, and, and most of you know I got arrested when I was 18, and I feared the judge because I was guilty, <laughs> right? If I was innocent, I would, I would fear a judge, and it was just jail. Tracy used to tell people I went to prison. There's a big difference. I didn't go to prison. I'm like a hardened criminal. I got arrested one time, and it was a youthful offender, so it wasn't even on my record. But I got arrested when I was 18 and went to jail, spent the night in jail, and I remember going to the lawyer and being very afraid. And, and I had a, a lawyer who was an advocate, which you know, that'll preach too, but he said a bunch of things I didn't understand and somehow got me, you know, got me out of trouble. But I feared the judge. But if I would have been innocent and um, I had an advocate that was to prove that I was innocent, I wouldn't have been afraid. If you, if you had somebody stand there and not only say that I'm innocent, but also take my place if I was guilty, which that'll preach pretty well too. If you've got someone to step in your place, say, okay, well, actually, he did do all these things but I'm going to take his place and he's going to be completely free. That's what you have. That's the type of freedom and, and truth that we have. That's the hope that we have that we don't have to fear condemnation. That's the opposite of what I learned when I was growing up when, when I would visit churches or when people would try to, to preach to me in a way um, that was very condemning and basically telling me stuff I already knew that I was bad. <laughs> I knew I was bad and they would tell me to try to do better and I did try to do better. But what many people didn't give me that I hope that we understand that we need to give people is the answer, not just the problem. Sorry, T-shirt mic. Is the, uh, we need to be giving people the answer, not just the, the problems. Listen, if, if all you're going to do is point out people's sins, there's plenty of other religions that can do that. The, the difference between what we believe in Christianity is that our Savior died for us. He, didn't, he doesn't just expect you to live up to some unrealistic expectations. He knows that you can't, and so he took your place for you. So now there is no threat of condemnation when we die. And I'm going to tell you the, the battle that we talk about all the time when, you know, one of his disciples went to defend Jesus with a sword and cut, cut one of the officer's ears off, and Jesus healed him. Um, I, I love that picture because Jesus is really showing him that, that he, you don't have the power to win this battle anyway, and, it's not, and he tells him this battle is not going to be won with a sword. This is going to be a much greater battle that you can't fight. 
One of the things growing up, especially with the cars and caffeine this morning, one of the things growing up, and I'm, I'm working on cars and not having a dad around, I had to figure out things on my own. And one of, one of the things that I, I'll never forget, um, and really the Lord showed me in worship here one Sunday, was I was up underneath a car and I was working on something and I couldn't get it. It was a bolt I couldn't get or I couldn't get a motor mount out or something I couldn't get. And, you know, I, I was frustrated, I was aggravated, and I was just about to lose it, like in, in anger or whatever, tears, anger, whatever it was. And I took a deep breath, and, I, and I, I didn't realize until years later that I was calling myself son, but I said, I would, I would, I would do this all the time. I would say, come on, son, you can do this. No one else is going to do it for you. And that was my motivation to do it myself. And it's a good motivation for, to an extent. But what I realized later on in life, ultimately what I really wanted, if I was to admit it, and I wouldn't have admitted it back then because I thought I was tough and I didn't want to show any weakness, but I understand now the real strength is understanding that I, I, what I really wanted was a dad to be there to take the wrench from me and help me and show me. That's what I really wanted. That's the difference, especially for guys. It's hard for me personally, and I know some other guys, it's hard for us to realize that we can't do everything. We want to desperately, especially as a father and as a pastor and in, in, in the workplace, I want to be able to figure things out and I want to be able to fix things. But there are many, many times in my life, more, more now than ever. I mean, I've got one kid driving, the other two are starting. It's just, it's wild. Um, and uh, it's those times when, when I have to back up a minute and go, God, I can't do this. this I'm stressed out. You know, I've told y'all I've had some panic attacks when, when Trin, you know, Trin's driving or Trin's like going somewhere and I'm not sure exactly where she is and you know, there's, it's this, this idea that I'm not going to be there. Um, and it's those times I've got to back off and go, you know what? Do I really trust God or don't I? Do I really trust that he has my best interest? And I do. I genuinely do. And those times when, when I, I try to self-motivate now, I can back up and go, okay, you know what? Because ultimately in the spirit, God has taken that wrench from me and he's taking care of the things that I needed. And not only that, he's teaching me how to do it in the process. Because he says he, he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. He cares so much to send his Holy Spirit. He's not trying to trick you. <laughs> I mean, God's not some, some cosmic killjoy that doesn't want you to have joy right now. He's created the stuff. He's, he's, made of, he's made of love and he's made of joy. So the fear that's poking at us right now, I think, is, is that we are, we are either afraid to die, although we shouldn't be. It's, it's, kind of, it's kind of ridiculous the levels that we think we're safe. You know, a lot of us... We drive 80 miles, 85 miles an hour on the interstate, and there's like maybe one, two bolts away from us just crashing into a wall. You know, we lock our doors at night as though we're safe. You know, there are lots of these levels that we think are, are safe, but you, none of us are really safe, if we're, if we're honest. We're not really safe in that sense. Where we are safe is we're safe in that we know that, our, our, that Christ is hidden in our hearts and we are hidden, as his, hidden in his. That's where you are safe. And so all the other things come from that place. So the difference in living from fear that something bad's going to happen, because there's plenty of bad to happen. If you want to live from that place, there's opportunity. But there's also the opportunity to live from the life that God gave us. And he, he tells us, why is, there, why, is there no, why is there now no condemnation? We're going to jump to Colossians 2.11, I'm going to tell you. Um, and this is the Passion Translation. I like this translation in this specific scripture, especially for the last few verses. Um, it just, the wording is just very powerful. Um, and this is, this is ultimately what happened when, when God took the fight on and, and fought it for us, the fight that we couldn't fight. There was no way that we can do it. Um, he just did it all for us. And it says in uh, Colossians 2.11, it says, <clears throat> Through our union with him, we have experienced circumcision of heart. All of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away, 
and is now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. So he has surgically removed sin from you. Verse 12, for we've been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means we were raised. Listen to the wording here. We were raised with him when, he, when we believed in God's resurrection power, the power that raised him from death's realm. This realm of death describes our former state, for we were held in sin's grasp, but now we have been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return, for we are forever alive and forgiven of all our sins. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. Amen. He erased it all. Our sins, our stained soul, he deleted it all, and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been replaced onto his cross, onto his cross, nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner, they were his. Wow. That's the good news. Any accusation that sin has on you has been deleted. <laughs> it says, your sin has been cast as far as the east is from the west. And I know some people don't believe this, but the earth is round. And <laughs> that means it, there's no end to it. There's, he, he's cast it so far, and he chose to do it. That's what blows my mind every time I think about it, that he, he can count the hairs on our heads, and he knew us in our mother's womb but he chooses not to see our sin. He made that choice. That's the father that you have. That's the loving father that you have. He cares for you. Like I said in the beginning, be wise. He, he, he gave us brains for a reason. Don't, don't go licking people's faces. <laughs> be, be wise with, with how you travel, what you do. You know, whatever you think is, is the wise thing for you. But I want to encourage you, use this as an opportunity as kids are out of school, you know, I don't know how we can do this as a church. We're, we're, we're talking about it. One of the reasons some of the announcements were scratched off, it wasn't to nix things that we're doing. We just, we weren't sure at this time how we were going to do it, what's going to be closed, how, how serious is it going to be or not. Some of the stuff is still liquid. We don't know how it's going to be. But part of that reason was not just to be afraid and stop doing things, but maybe to redirect where we can help people. You know, we've got a lot of meetings where we can come together but we may need to reach out, and if there's kids that may not have food because they're not going to school, we may need to come together and help them. If there's parents that don't have daycare and they still have to go to work, um, we may need to figure out a way to help watch kids. And we've been watching kids, and those kids are about to eat us out of house and home, so we may need to come to y'all's house <laughs> and get some food. we got plenty of toilet paper now, but, man, kids have snacked us to death right now. But anyway, but we, we may, as a church, as a whole, you may be hearing stuff, keep an eye on Facebook. If there's ways that we... Cause I don't want to be the ones that hoard all the toilet paper and hide and have buckets of rice and, and we're scared. We're not. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm being serious. We need to be the ones that are reaching out in a practical way and helping those that are around us. If you've hoarded toilet paper, <laughs> I'm talking to you. Maybe share a couple rolls, all right? Maybe post on Facebook, hey, I've got extra rolls of toilet You may start a movement for, for these toilet paper hoarders. I mean, I'm being for real. Who knows? We may start something here. Yeah. 
bring some toilet paper Sunday. Oh. I'm sorry she said she could really do something. I forgot it. I'm just Thank you, Libby. See? Libby's already starting it. Thank you. And I don't have to tell you guys this because most of you already do it, but as a whole, as a church, we may want to collectively come together and get a couple rolls apiece and make sure everybody's got toilet paper. I mean, if there's something simple that we can do to help people, it's ridiculous that we wouldn't do it. I mean, that's what the church is here for, right? And if you are in our church, especially, and need something, let us know. I mean, this is, this is why we come together is we want to help one another. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be operating from fear. Do we get that? Be wise. Operate from faith. And not just the faith that we have in God, but the, the faith that God has in us. You, you possess the greatest gift of, of anyone anywhere. And there's, we say it all the time, there's no plan B. You have the light. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. We always say, what are we doing with it? What, what are you doing with the greatest gift you've ever had in your, in, in your life? The greatest thing, the only thing that's going to carry on to the next life, the jewels that we're going to have are going to be the relationships that we have on this earth. What are we doing with them? Are, are we being real? Are we caring for people? Are we loving people? Are we, are we demonstrating, not just teaching, but demonstrating the love of God? That's what we're here for. That's what we do. Part, the, the whole cars and caffeine thing, y'all know, spawned from a, an airplane ride from work, and I met a guy who we just made small talk. I don't start with, hey, I'm a pastor. I just make small talk because we were going to be on a plane. It was one of those small planes, and he was a pretty big guy, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be miserable. But to come to find out, we were like best buds because we started talking about cars, similar interests, and... We started talking about the whole deuce and a half thing, and then he was like, yeah, he said, well, we do this. I said, we're going on a men's trip at our church, and he's going on a men's trip, and I was like, well, I'm actually the pastor. He's like, no way, I'm a pastor too. And I was like, well, we'll just, just become best friends. Anyway. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, from that place, the Holy Spirit told me, why have you always separated car stuff from church stuff? And it's never been intentional, not like I've hid it either one from the other. I know. You're my biggest fan. I love you. No, you don't have to leave. You're fine. Don't run out of here. Being's good, unless you have to. Sorry. Anyway, so that all came, that all came from that. And then I like, I like the, the whole cars and caffeine idea. I think it's evolved from car shows when I was younger. Car shows we went to when we were younger were to win trophies. That's what I thought. I'm, I'm going to have the coolest car or whatever. But I love that it's, the whole car scene has evolved to this cars and coffee thing because it's more about the relationships and just hanging out. It's not about the trophies or who has the best car. It's about the people we get to, to meet and get to hang out with. Um, I don't want to call you out, but we just, uh, yeah, we just met, I mean, we're, we've been kind of, we're friends on the internet. We're like friends on the internet, and we, we're similar interests with Jeeps, and, uh, and I've got to actually get to, know, get to know you better today, which is really awesome, and we're going we're gonna to continue to kind of hang out, and it's just because, we, it started because we have similar interests with Jeeps, and it's, it's a cool thing that we can, we can do that, and it's not, it's not this, the, the old school mentality was that everything separate from church or from God is an idol, and it's not. Listen, I... When I see my kids happy, like if they're on a jet ski or if they're off-off-roading with me or whatever, I'm a happy father when I see my kids happy. And I think God's the exact same way with us. I think he enjoys those times where we, we find joy in things. We know it's just metal and it's all going to pass away. I'm not worried about it. I'm not stressed about it. But there's no reason why we can't enjoy it. He's given us this life to enjoy, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And it's a beautiful thing that we can do it and in the process build relationships and get to know people. It's, it's Share the gospel. Yeah, it gives us opportunity. So anyway, so um, I did, I kind of wrapped up early. Uh, you guys have any questions or anything to add? We, especially when we have stuff like this, I want to give opportunity because I know there's lots of churches that don't give opportunity for people to speak, and I want, I want people to feel that they can if they need to or want to. Anything to add? Any questions? Anything? This is your one opportunity. 
Unless it's real technical, and I don't know it, but I'll tell you. Perfect love casts out fear. And as we love one another, we won't be afraid. Yep. And as we love the Lord and let the Holy Spirit, we won't be afraid. Yep. Um, and we really, you know, the world is flying through space at 55,000 miles per hour. So how could you be in control of anything? <laughs> right. <That's laughs> Just true. wanted to remind you. Yeah, that's good. close one yeah so I mean listen look look for opportunities and you know care for people in a way that they understand if people are a little more serious about it than you are be mindful of that um, and and if you are be mindful that some other people might not be you know be loving in that too don't be too critical of other people because everybody's gonna have their own opinions and that's okay another thing I get frustrated with you don't hate somebody if you disagree with them it's okay to disagree with people um, but just be, be mindful, especially with all this stuff going around that's going to be poking, poking people with fear. We can, we can demonstrate life to people, and we can love people in the midst of this thing. Um, like I said, we're, we're in the early stages of talks about how we're going to do that as a church, but I want to. If we need to put a few things on hold that we normally do here um, to help people, that's what we need to do. So just be patient with us as we do it. Stay, stay up on Facebook. We'll try to spread it, spread the good, <laughs> spread the good news. But spread the news of what we're going to do uh, practically to help people um, with all this that's going on. And if you have ideas, let me know. Um, I don't know that we can do all the things, but we'll do as much as we can to help people. So I think it's a good opportunity. We need to look at these as opportunities to, to help and love people, not to run and hide. So, yeah, be thinking about that. All right, stand up with me. I'll pray for you guys. Stick around for pizza and drinks. Um, it goes to support the, the youth group going to motion and... and uh, don't let the, the money deter, deter you, deter you, deteriorate you. Don't let the money deter you if you can't afford. We've got a few people that's already sponsored some kids, so they'll have a full ride if they need it, and uh, we'll offset the price as much as we can, and we'll do the whole pie in the face thing. Um, and I, I know that this can be a good competition between me and Buddy, and I'm okay if he wins, so I'm all right with it. Oh, Ben, too, yeah. Ben can win, too. I don't know why I'm just emphasizing. Huh? Ben said, I want the pie. You don't get to just eat it. It's reverse psychology. You guys playing games? I know I'm going to use, I got pie in the face at a youth trip years ago, and I know I'm going to use earplugs for my nose because I couldn't get that sour smell out of my nose because they pied and then they went up. They must have known pie and then up. And I don't know if you know this, but when there's a sour smell inside your nose, you can't get away from it. It's pretty disgusting. I'm just serious. It's pretty bad. And you can't like, you can't snort water because you'll die. So it was a really rough time. So just know, when you see me, I'm going to have earplugs in my nose, just in case. But I know Buddy's probably going to win. So, okay, Father, we just, we love you, and we praise you, and I thank you that, uh, that you're going to put more money in Buddy's bucket than mine, and, and uh, we, will, we will love him even after he has a pie in his face. Father, we just, uh, we pray that you open our eyes to the needs of those that are around us, even in the midst of what's going on with this virus. Lord, we know that you're still ultimately in control. We know that we, any false sense of, of control that we had, we know that we can surrender that to you, knowing that you are a good father, that you will take care of us. And so, Lord, we, we pray that as we post things on social media and as we interact with people around us, Lord, that we would demonstrate your kingdom as we teach it, Lord, that we would show the love that you have for us in and through us to those that are around us. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>